Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. If you just joined our party, welcome aboard. Robert alongside co-host Stephen Kerr with Texans Chiefs postgame show. A happy one at that. Also want to remind you guys to keep an eye out for a combined Astros game one and game two postgame within the next 24 hours, less than the next 24 hours. Uh, you'll be able to listen no later than Monday morning, I'm sure. Stephen, is there any question in your mind that this is the biggest win in Bill O'Brien's tenure? It's, it's a signature win for the first time. Well, it definitely is, especially when you consider that with these types of games, especially on the road, the Texans, they've, they've come close, but they just haven't gotten over the hump. And consider the fact that uh, the Chiefs are coming off a loss to the Colts. I always hate playing an elite team after they come off a loss. But it, it didn't start out that way, Robert. It, the game certainly didn't start out that way for the Texans. They got behind early. But they really showed some grit and came back. And, yeah, I'd have to say, if it's not the biggest win, it's definitely near the top. Yeah, it was the same old Texan song right off the bat. I mean, they just Mahomes drives down the field with that touchdown, the crazy pass to Tyreek Hill, and then Carlos Hyde, who I think he had something to prove, and maybe he was just too fired up. He has the fumble on the first play from scrimmage on offense, and it looked like, here we go again. It was the old, here we go again. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly seemed that way. What I like, though, is even when the Texans got down early 17-3, to They didn't panic and throw their game plan out the window because one of the keys, one of my keys to victory in this game and in other games like it, when you're facing an elite quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, is keep him off the field as long as possible. And the Texans didn't abandon the running game, especially when the Chiefs have been so bad against the run. They stuck with the plan. They mounted several long drives that ran lots of time off the clock. Yeah, they made a few mistakes, but boy, the Chiefs sure made their share. What did they have, 10 penalties in the first half alone? And, uh, you know, they had their own share of turnovers and penalties that that really shot them in the foot. And the Texans took advantage of that. But I really like the fact that the offense stayed on track even when they got behind early. Yeah, you, you thought, I mean, I'm sure you were thinking the same thing I was thinking, Stephen, in the first half. Boy, the, the Chiefs just keep having these stupid penalties on offense and special teams and getting backed up and the Texans can't take advantage of any of them. Yeah. Not only that, but uh, you know, Watson throwing a couple of interceptions, the Texans having some uh, pass interference penalties of their own, but uh, the chiefs really were the ones that made the critical mistakes. And then of course we can talk about Kami Fairbairn. I'm sure we'll get to that. You know, that would, that's something else that became worrisome because that puts more pressure on the offense too. the fact that, you know, you, your field goal kicker has the yips for not only the extra points, but field goals. And so the Texans basically have to rely on their offense to score all the points. I mean, we could say the Chiefs were missing their starting left tackle, Sammy Watkins. Mahomes was banged up, had the ankle problems. Uh, but the Texans still had to make big plays. And Bill O'Brien still had to put together a game plan that was ball control, long drives, keep away from homes. Like you said, this is the old Gary Kubiak formula. And they did it. They doubled the time of possession with the Chiefs. I mean, nearly doubled it. It was 39-plus uh, minutes for the Texans. And, you know, the, the Texans also had to deal with no Jonathan Joseph. Uh, they had their own adversity to go through. The third-quarter injury to Bradley Roby, it looks like a hamstring injury 
So not not as bad as you you might think, but you know, hamstring injuries for the Texans, we never know. It could last a week, it could last a month. We don't know. But Titus Howard losing him in the third quarter when he was carted off. And I'm just gonna take the L on that one, Stephen, because I had just tweeted out, you know, this fact that Brian Gain, give him some credit. You know, you had Max Sharping and Titus Howard both starting. The offensive line vastly improved thanks to those guys in Laramie Tunsil. Uh, the second-round pick, Lonnie Johnson, has looked like he's got real potential. Charles Amenahu, you know, fifth-round pick, making impact plays, a huge, massive play at the end of the half, causing the fumble on the sack. Um, but then I, I put all that out and said, looky, looky, look at what the Texans have done with their draft. And then Titus Howard goes down. So I, I'll take the L. You jinxed it, Robert. You jinxed it. But no, really, and and that's, I guess, if there is a downer to this game, it would be that just as the Texans line is beginning to gel, you know, Deshaun Watson, I know he had one quarterback hit on him that I, that I can remember, but really not too much else. The, the line has really come together the last two or three weeks with the run, with the pass protection, and then Howard goes down. So, you know, obviously that that's, we're, we're going to wait and see on that, but it certainly didn't look good. But yeah, all in all, this is just quite a victory for the Texans for a number of reasons. I'm going to go back to the, my, my old Stephen Kerr saying where we've got uh, Dr. Deshaun and Mr. Hyde handling things on the <laughs> offensive end. And if you look at what Deshaun did, I mean, we, we got to get back to him. But 30, 30 of 42, 280 yards, just a million smart decisions for the most part. The one interception, I think, wasn't so good in the double coverage in the end zone for DeAndre Hopkins. But uh, Carlos Hyde, after the fumble, 26 carries, 116 yards, four and a half yards a carry, tough yards inside, you know, in the middle. And just the rushing game in general, taking advantage of one of the Chiefs' weaknesses. Their defense is not good against the run. The Texans average 4.7 yards per carry, 41 carries, uh, 192 yards. Deshaun Watson with 10 carries and 42 yards. Duke Johnson, five carries and 34 yards. But the offense was about Carlos Hyde doing what he do and Deshaun Watson, for the most part, getting rid of the football, not taking any negative yards, zero sacks again, Stephen, two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Boy, is that a Texans record? Maybe we should look that one up because, <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty cool. And and don't forget about Darren Fells. He made several catches including touchdown catches that uh, preserved drives kept things going and so even he got into the act and, and he's gotten into it the last couple of weeks too all right let me get your thought on this it's uh fourth down end of the game were you gonna kick the field goal or were you yell it at the screen or yell it at the radio or whatever like you gotta kick the field goal here bill o'brien no no i was not I, I will tell you right now, I was not. And, you know, I think the Texans went for that two-point conversion as much for the fact that that probably sent a message to Fairbairn right there, probably to make up for the one that he missed. No, 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 not, not the, not the two-point conversion. I'm talking. No, about- I know what you're, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm putting both plays in the mix, but okay. I'm, I'm saying, no, I, I wouldn't kick the field goal on that play either, just based on what Kaimi Fairbairn has done the last few weeks. I'm, I'm talking about both of those plays. I think it showed right there that the Texans have lost confidence in him. But no, I didn't have a problem with them all going for it on, and not kicking the field goal at the end of the game. Yeah, the two-point conversion, that was obvious because they're up by five. Up, being up by six means nothing. But, you know, I 
I, I guess maybe I would have kicked the field goal. I mean, not maybe. I, I thought you got to kick the field goal. It would have been second guess Monday, <laughs> you know, if, if, if he doesn't get it right there. And, you know, a 40-something yard field goal, most NFL kickers, that's a gimme. Let, let, let me, let's get to Kaimi Fairbairn while, while we're there, uh, Stephen. Uh, just want to talk about that situation because he missed his fourth extra point this year, which is the most in the NFL. He also missed the 46-yard field goal. The broadcasters made a good point. They said, look, the laces were facing him on that 46-yard field goal. That is not what you want from your holder. Brian Anger, you know, he didn't have the laces where they should have been. Fairburn wasn't missing extra points when Trevor Daniel was his holder last year. You sometimes forget how a punter can affect your field goal unit. And that's something that maybe the Texans need to consider with Brian Anger and you got to figure out what's the deal. And that that's a Brad Seeley and Bill O'Brien conference on Monday morning, I would say. Well, I agree. But at the same time, you know, a good kicker is going to eventually adjust. You're going to change holders from year to year. And if that is the case, that's something that Brad Seeley and Bill O'Brien should have been on top of when he first started missing extra points. Taking a look at that, okay, you know, if, if it's a holding problem, let's get with the holder and let's figure this out. But we're six games into the season, Robert. We're almost halfway through, and he's missed four extra points. Yeah, I'm not saying it's entirely on a fair baron, but at the same time, you've gone far enough into the season that these are the types of problems you should have sorted out right when they started happening. And you're fortunate that it didn't cost the team the game today because if it had come down to a final field goal where the Texans would have had to kick one to win the game, that missed extra point, what have you, then the Texans would be looking at three and three and not four and two right now. Yeah, Brian Anger didn't even have to punt, but he still had a huge impact in this game. And they had great kickoff coverage. Uh, we got to give them credit for that. That was some of the best kickoff c- coverage I've seen from the Texans in their history in this game. And, and DeAndre Carter, you know, he had the fumble recently, and then he lets the ball bounce on the one return that maybe, you know, they that he should have had. I, I think they maybe they punted twice, but... The one potential return, or yeah, he, he had the one return, but then the first chance he had in the fourth quarter was pin, was pinned down inside the Texans' 10-yard line because he let the ball bounce. I mean, DeAndre Carter, you got to hold on to the football. You got to know when to let the ball bounce and when to pick it up. And there was nobody close to him because they, they're, you know, a 63-yard punt. I mean, it was a huge punt. There was nobody even in the, nobody in the, even in the vicinity. Yeah, I think, you know, punt returns are as much about judgment as they are about holding on to the football. And I guess if if there's one thing that the Texans do lack on the special teams, besides a reliable kicker now, obviously, is a great punt returner. I don't even remember the last time that we've had a really great returner. It's it's been a little while. But DeAndre Carter, he's not only muffed that punt recently, but just some of the judgments he's making. And it does cost the team field position at some point. Will Fuller was getting a lot of hell on the broadcast and a lot of hell on Twitter because of they called it three drops. And I'm going to I'm doing air quotes as I'm saying that, but I I don't think it was three full on drops. He he dropped a a TD where he got turned around Deshaun threw it over the wrong shoulder. That one, the ball kind of lands in his breadbasket. Yeah, maybe he should have caught it, but still it's tough. He's like going one way. And then he's like trying to twist his body. and He's falling on the ground. The ball hits him in the in the breadbasket or in the chest. I was going to say, is that the one that hit him in the chest? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just just as he was hitting the ground. So you don't know like, 
boom, he hits the ground, and then the ball pops loose. So I don't know. That that one to me is a maybe. Uh, th- they were big on the this drop TD early in the game, but he had to one-hand the catch. I mean, unless your name's Deshaun Watson, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I don't expect you to DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. one-hand a, a, a catch. I mean, he got one He got one hand on it. I mean, it was a, it was a good throw by Deshaun, but... You know, it just wasn't – they just just didn't quite hook up there where he could get two hands on the football. I mean, making a one-handed catch with your arm outstretched, I, I don't think that's something that should be a gimme from any wide receiver, and it's not like Will Fuller didn't have the speed, you know. So that that one was just it – was, it was just a little bit of a miss. I don't think that one's on Will Fuller. The biggest one that I think he had was the, the, the third one, which was in the third quarter, and he, he was in stride. It looked like it hit him – you know, kind of went through both of his hands on that one. Uh, he could have caught that one, but you know, those those plays. If they make one or two of those plays, you know, maybe that's a huge difference. But also, you got to think about it this way, Stephen. Big plays maybe weren't what you wanted in this game. You wanted to keep Mahomes off the field and get your defense some rest. Well, and that's kind of goes back to what I was saying. That that really, to me, was the key to the Texans' offense. Yeah, Deshaun wasn't hitting the deep balls to Fuller like he was last week. But maybe that's a good thing because you, you want to stick with the run game, and the Chiefs obviously are weak against the run. The Texans exploited that all day long. I want to see them do the short dumps. He did a lot of those to Fells, to Fuller, to QT, and to, to others, and to running the ball with Hyde and, and Duke Johnson. I wanted to see that more than I wanted to see some deep balls to Fuller or to Hopkins because what that does is it puts the Chiefs back on the field sooner and gives them more time to come back. So I really did not have a problem with the fact that Deshaun wasn't hitting the deep balls as much simply because the short game and the running game were working. They left points out on the field in this game, quite a few of them, if you think about it, because we talked about the extra point. We talk about the missed field goal. So that's four points right there. Then there was the drive late in the game uh, where Deshaun has the interception in the end zone, it's the one where he lofts it into double coverage. Bad play by Deshaun because worst there you want to get a field goal opportunity. But just keep in mind, the play before that, DeAndre Hopkins is at the one-yard line. Talking about drop passes, that could have been a huge one. And that's six more points with an extra point, you would assume, an extra point. Uh, Fairburn. Then it, it, it's we're talking 11 points that they left out there. That's not Deshaun Watson's fault. That's not Bill O'Brien's fault. That's other stuff happening. So they left 11 points out there on the board, but still were managed to overcome all of that. And this is just, I don't even know what to think. This is not what I'm used to from the Texans. Overcoming all of this on the road against a team that we consider one of the two or three best teams in the AFC. And saying all that, wouldn't you think that with all those points they left on the on the field, being on the road, most of the time, the Texans are going to lose those games. Um, I, I did, the biggest question mark for me was the fourth down and short when he went deep in the end zone, got it intercepted. I, I really didn't understand that call at all. But, you know, all in all, I mean, yeah, mistakes like that, leaving points on the field like that, the Texans are going to lose the majority of those games up until now. So I think that's what makes this win really special, Robert, is, yeah, the Texans made their share of mistakes. They left some points on the field, and they still managed to win on the road against a team that, well, you feel like they're elite, but, I mean, after the last two weeks, they certainly haven't looked like the 
Chiefs of old and the, and the Patriots. Give credit to Romeo's defense. It, it did not start off well at all. You had the six-play, 91-yard drive, although incredible play by Tyreek Hill on that 46-yard touchdown pass. Philip Gaines in coverage there. He's the guy that got most of the time without Jonathan Joseph. Hopefully that's not anything worth worrying about long-term injury, but you miss J.J. a little bit because Gaines had a couple of other penalties as well. Uh, don't know about, you know, just how he's going to grade out. I'm kind of interested uh, how he grades out in this game by pro football focus. But, you know, Gaines was in coverage there. The key, though, is Justin Reed was in front of him, and, and he had to m- make a play right there. He didn't. I'd like to see Justin Reed start to make plays, interceptions, you know, in big moments. There was a couple of times uh, that was that play. I think there was another play uh, later on that I remember I, I thought, well, that's that's why I was excited about Justin Reed, that he would be able to make plays like that. But if you look at it, Stephen, it's that first drive, you have the touchdown. Then there was the fumble. They only they didn't give up any yards. In fact, it was minus five yards for the Chiefs on that drive before the field goal. Then they had the 90-yard drive where Mahomes throws it to Damian Williams for the 14-yard touchdown, and it's 17-3 to at that point. But after that, it's Tayshawn Gibson with an interception in the end zone. First interception of Mahomes this season. Then they had the drive where they held him to a field goal opportunity. It was a 50-yard field goal that they missed. Then there was the massive sack fumble. Talked about it earlier. Amenahu with the big sack and it causes the fumble. McKinney with an incredible extra effort. I mean, that was a game-changing play right there with 23 seconds left on the clock. And then the, the, the first drive of the second half, yeah, the Chiefs did score. But after that, it was punt. And then it was three and out. And J.J. Watt and Jacob Martin, of all people, shows up with a big pressure. Gets a piece of Mahomes' arm right there. But the defense, when you look at it, after those first three drives, after those first three scores, they gave up seven points the rest of the game. I was just going to say, think about the fact that after 17-3, to the Texans outscored the Chiefs 28-7 to the rest of the game. And that 17-3 to was... You know, it feels like the first quarter had barely started and they were already that. So, yeah, it seemed like the defense gained confidence as they went along. But again, they were off the field a lot and they were getting rested. And I think that was a big, a big factor of that as well. You just got to be happy with big picture. Let's let's just go back to the, the main thing. The offensive line is has come together. Uh, Deshaun Watson, even bigger than the offensive line. He's getting rid of the football. He's starting to figure it out. Yes, the two defenses they played the last couple of weeks might not be two of the best in the NFL, but this is a start, and this is where momentum starts, and it's eight quarters of Deshaun Watson getting rid of the ball quickly, not taking negative yards, not taking the sacks. I mean, that that's all the stuff. That's the formula that if you're a Texan fan, that's the formula for the Texans to take the next leap forward and, and getting the rushing yards from Carlos Hyde and, and him having – continuing to have a, a really good season for the Texans and, and the tight ends playing well, Darren Fells and uh, Aikens. You mentioned Fells with a big day, six catches for him. So, uh, and Aikens with a big play where he breaks a tackle and gets a first down. I mean, there was a couple of plays like that. DeAndre Hopkins had a, had a play late in the game where he breaks a tackle, gets the extra yard at the first down and stays in bounds. I mean, just, you know, every guy seems to be making big plays, not just with catches, but plays after catches, uh, getting extra yards. I mean, that this is the formula for the Texans to do more than just beat the crummy teams and, and get to the playoffs and, oh, it's one and out. 
Yes, it is true that uh, they haven't played some great defenses. But, yeah, you have to start somewhere. And, and the Texans have had so much trouble in the past winning the games that they're in a position to win or beating the teams that they are supposed to beat. And I think today was a great example of man, the Chiefs may not have been a team they were supposed to beat. In fact, I don't know too many people who picked the Texans to win today or, or even keep it close in some cases. But they not only kept it close, they came out with a win against a team that they probably shouldn't have beaten. And so now moving forward, this is where the, the confidence needs to carry you into the next game. They always have trouble going up to Indy, and that's not going to be an easy game. But these are the games the Texans need to start winning if they want to be consistently good and start putting themselves in a position to be deep in the postseason. Yeah, it sucks that they're going to have to do it without Titus Howard. It was looking to be a fun year watching the offensive line develop and get better as the year goes on. Roderick Johnson looks like a swing tackle, a guy that you can stick in there in an emergency. We'll see how he does uh, when he gets a lot more playing time. And I don't know, uh, the Bradley Roby injury, hopefully that's not big. You can get the cornerbacks back on the field with him and J. Joe, but uh, that, that might be something to overcome just a little bit. Again, I like the fact that Lonnie Johnson is not being picked on. He's not getting beat a ton. Uh, Tyreek Hill had that huge touchdown. Overall, did Tyreek Hill crush you in this game? Was it awful? I mean, if you look at the stats on Tyreek Hill, just five catches, 80 yards. I mean, after that big touchdown, he didn't do a whole lot. And that's that's all you can ask for from the, the secondary. I mean, that's exactly what you would want. And it's just kind of keeping the game in front of you and sort of, you know, doing a little rope-a-dope at times and, and, and letting Deshaun do his thing. Yeah, not only that, but uh, they stopped Travis Kelsey for the most part. He didn't really factor into the game either, and they had several matchups on him. I think Dylan Cole was matching up against him at some some point, and then especially after uh, Roby got injured, you know, you had several different matchups on Travis Kelsey, and uh, he burned the Texans last time, I think I remember, that they played the Chiefs, but not today. All right, you know I always keep a column of Bill O'Brien coaching decisions and Uh, overall you know he had a great game like Bill O'Brien had a great game in this game overall but first half you know there was that wasted challenge on the first possession and anybody who's following the NFL knows they're not overturning even the most egregious pass interference penalties Bill O'Brien watch TV sometimes you know talk to somebody outside of your little mini circle of one I don't know who he talks to but you gotta be NFL replay woke, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he definitely doesn't make great decisions on challenges. But now, remember this, though. On the next play, they called Kelsey for offensive pass interference. So, if anything, it, it may have actually wakened the officials up a little bit on that call. But, yeah, another waste of challenge. Thankfully, it didn't come back to bite them. Just like uh, the last week when he made that uh, decision that it fortunately didn't cost the Texans the game either. So, yeah, it just seems like one day a week, he, he just hasn't studied when to take the challenges and when to not pick the flag up. And this is not total indictment on Bill O'Brien. Look, the, the, it, it seems like there's a the replay people in New York, they have basically decided, unless it's the Saints, where the guy gets leveled to the ground in a playoff game. And then we're going to, we're, in fact, yeah. we're going to wait till a playoff game till that happens. We are not overturning replay. It's I, I think it's been overturned once, as you and I are talking right now, Stephen, in the entire NFL so far. 
They're not overturning pass interference. And basically, it's like we're protecting the shield. We're going to try to make our officials look like they're, they're getting everything right. But look, the NFL, guess what? We can watch. We can see. Everybody knows that you're screwing up and this is not working. And I mean, it's going to have to either get rid of it or start overturning these replays, but you can't, you can't just go, well, this is our emergency backup and we're going to, and then we're not going to, we're not going to do it. Uh, Otherwise, you know, you, you might just bring in an independent party. You might have to bring in like, you know, hire somebody outside the NFL officiating group and say, okay, you guys, uh, you got no stake in the game. It's not your buddy that's officiating this. I don't know if these guys are buddies, that the, the, the replay guys <laughs> in New York. I don't know what's going on, but they're not selling out their own guys. No, certainly not. And But these are the sorts of things that Bill O'Brien needs to study because, thankfully, right now, that hasn't come back to bite him. But at some point, you know, if he keeps doing that, it's going to be a pivotal point in a game, and it's going to turn the other way. The Texans are going to lose, and you and I are going to sit here as well as probably many other fans in Houston media and pick him apart for it. One of the things that Patrick Mahomes has been compared, one of the guys he's been compared to in sports is Steph Curry. And and I think it's a great comparison because, you know, he's got the, you know, that just special quality about him and he's almost impossible not to watch. And he does things that we've never seen before from any player that's played in the NFL, just like Curry and basketball with what he does from the three-point arc. It's it's basically Mahomes is doing the same type of stuff and throwing at these weird angles and crazy angles and making look 50-yard passes look like it's, you know, playing pitch and catch in the, in the backyard or something like that. But the other thing that is happening now that reminds me a lot of Steph Curry is this, this ankle injury that's just going on and on and on this year. It's exactly what happened, Stephen, early in Steph's career. I mean, you're the coach of the Golden State Warriors. You remember this stuff about Steve, Steph Curry. <laughs> Invoking my namesake, I was wondering how long it's going to take you to do that in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it is interesting. I hadn't thought about that angle. But, you know, when you talk about the intangibles, like the kind that Steph Curry has, the kind that Patrick Mahomes has, they certainly are similar. And, yeah, you have to think the ankle injuries are similar, too. And I will say, you know, the the uh, Texans had that strip sack, and they did get some pressure on Mahomes, but the Chiefs' offensive line did a pretty decent job of protecting him, you know, especially with that ankle injury when he probably was a little bit hobbled. But I know I was watching early in the game and watching Mahomes and how quickly he was getting the ball out and thinking, boy, it didn't take him particularly long to figure out that you got to get the ball out quickly. That's what Deshaun Watson needs to do, and hopefully Deshaun seems to have cleared that up and started doing that. But yeah, Patrick Mahomes, it's it's the intangibles as much as the physical talent to me that make him so great to watch. Also something to consider after watching this game and after looking at the standings, the Texans are four and two, the Chiefs are four and two. I mean, we've just kind of assumed that, oh, the Chiefs and the Patriots, they're just going to run away with the AFC and they're going to be the one and two seed. And you know, the Texans, if they've proven they can beat the Chiefs, who knows? You know, maybe they can make the Patriots game interesting. Uh, their schedule doesn't look difficult when you think that, oh, okay, they just beat the Chiefs on the road. They can potentially beat anybody from here on out. The Patriots feel like the only lock cinch loss going forward. And maybe they, they do have a chance at a one or two seed. I mean, everybody just with the schedule just counted them out. Uh, but... 
Now they've got a tiebreaker against the Chiefs if, if they're tied with the Chiefs, for instance, going into the playoffs. So I don't know. Maybe they can do it. The, the Jaguars lost against the Saints. Um, I don't know if anybody in the division really scares me at this point. It feels more and more like it, as you watch this Texans team, it's coming together. If Deshaun keeps doing what he's doing, stays healthy. If you can keep your receivers healthy, I think that's a big thing also. We know how important Will Fuller is, even if he is dropping passes. Then the Texans can compete for maybe a two-seed in the AFC. Well, and how big would a win at Indy be next week? Because not only would you put the Texans at 5-2, and two, but they would certainly have a leg up as far as divisional play because they've beaten Jacksonville and they would have beaten Indianapolis if they win next week. They still have to play the Titans twice, the Jaguars one more time, the Colts one more time. So that that's where the following weeks are going to be very, very big for the Texans. And a win like they got today, let's hope that's a confidence booster to help them move forward and not suddenly stumble and take a step back like they've been known to do after big wins like this one. Are you sick of me yet with all these Astros post games and Texans post games? <laughs> <laughs> no, not as long as they keep winning. I, I mean, I, I was really, you know, you and I were talking before we started the podcast. It's like this one is a lot more pleasant, especially after watching what the Astros did on uh, Saturday night and having to come in here. And if the Texans had lost to the Chiefs. Yeah, we would have had uh, a whole different podcast to be talking about. So let's hope that uh, the Astros, of course, playing later on Sunday, and we'll be coming back with another podcast after that later. Let's hope we can go two for two here. I'm all for that. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's I, I would say I would be sick of it, except these every single time we're doing this, these games, I mean, we know the Astros games are important, but the Texans games, they're they're huge. I mean, they, they, they've mattered these are big games going towards the end of the year, and, and this is the biggest part of the Texan season, I think, because it, if you get through that first few games, that, that back end outside of the Patriots doesn't feel like it's going to be all that tough. Yeah, and a win like today, it may not have been a, a postseason win, but it sure was a big win in many other ways. And it's always nice to talk about a win, whether it's the kind of win the Texans had where they finally beat an elite team like the Chiefs on the road uh, or a, a playoff win, whatever the case, it's always nice to sit here and talk about winning. And you, you look at the minor mistakes as well. It, it didn't come back to plague them today. So I, I this is I mean, this is kind of like I'm, I'm living my dream all over again, Robert, is to when I was a sportscaster years ago and you get to cover big games, get to do postgame talk shows like this one. So, hey, I'm, I'm kind of living my dream. I just we would like to see the Astros kind of pick it back up and move through the rest of the postseason so that. Maybe we can do some championship podcasts. You know, it just hit me. We're, we're, we're 31 minutes or so into this podcast. And one name for the Texans has not been brought up. And I don't know if I've ever gone this far in any Texans postgame podcast or any Texans podcast period with this guy's name not being brought up yet. You know what I'm talking about? J.J. Watt? Yeah, I mean... He, I know it, we haven't said we haven't said a word about J.J. Watt today. I, I did. He, did you feel like he made an impact in this game? Maybe not a huge impact, but I know he got uh, I mean, I know he got one penalty that I think was uh, a very minor deal. Was it a neutral infraction or something? But, right. you know, he didn't get a lot of sacks. Um, he did get some pressures, though. But, you know, sometimes it's OK if you don't mention J.J. Watt's name. Just to be, he's always going to draw attention from the other team's offensive line, regardless of the type of day he has. So sometimes, you know, keeping J.J. silent, that just opens it up for everybody else. If there's one thing they, they could work on going into next week is 
you know, that sort of read option, you know, for Deshaun Watson where uh, they picked up some good yardage twice, but Laramie Tunsil got called for the illegal man downfield. I guess it's figuring out the timing of that play. I don't know if that's on Tunsil or if that's on Deshaun for holding the ball too long, but, you know, it's something little for them to work on. But overall, offensively, you know, there, there's not a whole lot to get too upset about. I mean, it's about as good of two weeks in Texans history as far as the offense is concerned. And, you know, big wins, uh, both of these games, uh, every win in the NFL seems like a big one as long as you're, you know, as long as you're in the playoff race and you're in the hunt. But uh, beating the Chiefs on the road, like I said, the signature win for Bill O'Brien. We'll talk to you again really soon with the Astros post game. But final score, the Texans go on the road to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs 31-24. Deshaun Watson outduels Patrick Mahomes. Very, very sweet. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.